Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I'm Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. In this episode, Rebecca speaks to us again from Ballin Glen Arts Foundation in County Mayo, Ireland, where she is on a three-week painting residency. Today, she's going to talk a little bit about the residency in general and specifically about the project that she was working on there, a series, a series of paintings based on a poem by the Irish poet Seamus Heaney. So with me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. And yes, uh, once again, we're, we're, I'm recording in um, Ireland. And again, we may have a little traffic noise or whatever. I'm in kind of a public room here, but it's very early in the morning and people don't I usually get moving very early, so right. should, should be and good. And on my side, uh, it is now coming up on 2 a.m. <laughs> um, I just got done uh, working um, uh, the uh, the bar, so I was I was serving drinks until not too long ago. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just kind of wrapped up for the night and uh, kind of set up here in the office at work. So <laughs> and you, you still have amazing energy at two o'clock in the morning. So, <laughs> okay. So I thought I'd start out with a little bit about Bowen Glen in general, just to kind of set the stage here. And I know we did a podcast early on from here where, um, I don't remember the episode number, but we talked a bit about what this place is all about. It's, it is a, um, an artist residency that was established in 92 and the the mission was to bring um, both established artists and also artists of recognized ability, but maybe not as far along in their careers, um, from Ireland and internationally. So there's always an interesting mix of people here. And the location is in uh, North Mayo, which is a very unspoiled area. It's um, not a place that a lot of people know about or come to, but it's wild and beautiful. Um, and... One of the things that Bowen Glen has accomplished besides serving lots of artists is that uh, from the beginning there was a uh, an aim to benefit the community here in Ballycastle, which was a, as typical of a lot of small Irish villages uh, in decline, economic decline. So it was actually, I think, really good um, for the village. It has been. And um, as well, there's a new museum going up as part of Bowen Glen, which is pretty amazing. Uh, it's called the Bowen Glen Museum of Contemporary Art, which I love the title. And it's right next door to the foundation here. And that's going to house the the work of all the fellows who have been here, on the people, artists on fellowship, as well as um, some uh, curated exhibits and things. And so there's kind of a rising profile here. And I think um, everybody appreciates that in the area. And the, the fellowships are uh, what the artists can apply to come here for up to six weeks. It's uh, fairly competitive to get in, especially as, as the profile of the place goes up a little more and people know about it. And you get, if you get the fellowship, which I was awarded in 2013 and I've been coming here since uh, you get um, a place to live, a little cottage, and you get a really nice studio, and and for up to six weeks of just um, painting, and it's it's quite wonderful. And there's usually uh, four artists here at one time, sometimes five, because there's a big print studio. And if there's if there's an artist that's doing printmaking, then they have that studio. 
Well, it sounds lovely. And obviously, there's a reason why you go back every year. <laughs> yes, there is. It's just, it's such a good place to focus and work. And there is something about this area and I that just draws people back. It's, once you come here, you pretty much um, want to come back again, I think, because every time it's new discoveries and something else unfolding. Um, and it, it, I think for artists, it's such a, a beautiful opportunity to focus. And I mean, typically my days are, I get up and think, oh, let's see, what will I do today? Well, I'll paint, I'll go for a walk, I'll paint some more. You know, <laughs> Maybe I'll hang out with some of the other artists. And uh, there's a lot of nice walks, like it's about a mile and a half down to the beach, which is something I do quite often is go down there. And so everybody's pretty focused on their work. Um, but at the same time, the other artists tend to be very friendly. And it's just a wonderful atmosphere. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing right now? Uh, you're working on a, a some pieces based on a poem? Yeah, so this this whole idea is not something I've worked with before. It's a new idea for me. But it came about because um, Jerry McLaughlin and I were invited to do a two-person exhibit in the Bay Area um, at Jennifer Perlmutter Gallery in September. And Jennifer asked us to do a show based on poetry, on, on interpreting poetry. And this is something Jerry has worked with before quite extensively, but I hadn't. And I thought, really? Okay, I, I'm not someone, I would say, who reads very much poetry. And I, I didn't immediately think, oh, I know exactly what I want to do with this. You know, it was kind of, it was a good challenge. And when I thought about poetry that I did read and enjoy, I I immediately thought of some of the Irish poets. And the one I find the most compelling in terms of his actual writing and depth is Seamus Heaney. And I I had a couple of collections of his poems, and I would occasionally sort of read one or two and then put it down again. But I thought, okay, this is... This is a challenge to really deeply read something and really, you know, get something out of it. And how would I even do this? You know, how would, how is this going to come through in the painting? Um, so it has been a really interesting project so far. So if you don't know anything about Seamus Heaney, he's an Irish poet. He was born in Northern Ireland uh, in 1939. And then he lived a lot of his life in Dublin. And he died there just 2013. So he's not, he's a fairly contemporary poet. And he won the Nobel Prize in Literature in uh, 95. And the, the uh, commendation for him along with the Nobel Prize was, and I'm quoting this because I, I think it describes his work well. He was awarded, um, the prize for works of lyrical beauty and ethical depth which exalt everyday miracles and the living past. And that description, it really covers a lot of his themes. Um, well, and it's quite a, a poetic description in itself. It really is. Um, his work is very, what I notice about it is he often shifts focus within the same poem between 
something that's happening right here and now and beautifully described with alliteration and wonderful choices of words. And then he'll shift it into something more um, obscure or something ephemeral or something uh, sort of a transcendental um, attitude or spiritual attitude. And it's just seamless. I mean, it just kind of flows together. And so you're, when you read it, you're bouncing back and forth between the very material world and a more ephemeral world. And his material world uh, growing up is something he references a lot because he was raised on a farm. And the just the earthiness of, of the farm comes through in a lot of his work. Um, his images of his father working uh, on the farm. And just his boyhood uh, growing up, you know, roaming the fields and being part of nature. Uh, he was also um, involved, well, he lived in Ireland during the Troubles. So some of his poems are quite dark and somewhat political, although I think he didn't get too involved in that aspect of it. But, you know, the time of, of war and fear here, he was part of that. And that comes through in some of his work as well. But I think I think the thing that really draws me to it is, and we talked in the last podcast about dualities, and as I said, a lot of his poems shift between that, the here and now, and something that's harder to put your finger on and describe. And I, I really like that. And he you know, he deals with life and death, and um, he deals with talks about memory a lot, and how you can look at something around you and evoking memories of past and ancestors and childhood. Um, I guess another one of his themes that I like is just kind of journeys, like the journey of life. And there's a lot of images of crossing, crossing rivers, crossing fields, and so on. So it's just, they're very rich, very rich poems. And so I'm thinking, well, I need to focus on a poem, at least to get started. <laughs> so I, I, I'm sorry, I don't want to interrupt, but was okay. this poetry that you had read before you started visiting Ireland, or was this Mm-mm. poetry that you kind of found as part of your, your travels? Yeah, it was, it was something I, I came, came upon here in Ireland. I did not know about him before. And I don't remember when I first picked it up or started reading it. Somebody must have suggested it to me. And as I said, I I collected a few books of his poetry and a friend gave me one. And uh, I've always had them sitting around in the studio ever since. And and I would occasionally just, you know, read a few lines or something. And they were always so evocative that it would kind of take me into another place and, you know, stir my imagination or whatever. So well, you, and if it was suggested to you by a friend, then there there must have been already a kind of existing connection with your work. I think maybe you're right. His work, Heaney's poems are very textural. That's one thing I notice about them. The way he describes the earth and all, everything he describes, there's, you can feel it, you can see it, and in just a very few words. And... I guess there's a there's a kind of economy to it, and a, a focus, um, which I I hope to bring to my work. But also the textural, the really tactile and kind of sensuous aspect of it, I definitely 
do that in my work or I attempt to do that in my work. So it does seem to be a really good fit somehow. <laughs> um, so you said that you were trying to, to narrow down to like a single poem in yeah. order to start this process of creating work that had a connection to this poetry. That's right. And so um, I just started you know, leafing through the books I had and reading different ones. And I came upon this long poem called Squarings. And that's S-Q-U-A-R-I-N-G-S, so squarings. And it's in four parts. And um, in one point, part of the poem, he defines what squarings means in a sort of a literal way, which is, and this is, I'm quoting from the poem, it's a reference to the game of marbles. And he says it's... Um, the anglings, aimings, faints and squints, you were loud before you'd shoot. And I think the reason he chose that as a name for the poem as a whole is it's complicated, but I think it has to do with a sort of shifting perception and perspectives throughout um, your life and throughout different places where you are. And it was interesting with this particular poem I guess I was a little unsure of myself. Oh, am I really able to interpret this? And I tried to Google it and look up, oh, what has people said about this poem? And there really isn't much out there. So, okay, I'm on my own with this. Um, I did have to, as I read this poem, I did have to look up some of the references because he makes references to mythology and things that I didn't recognize. And I had to look up some of the terminology, which might be unique to to Ireland or Northern Ireland, where he grew up. So, um, so there's a little bit of research there, but mostly I just okay. Here we go. So it was. It's in four parts, and they're called. The first section is called Lightnings, which he explains um, as, and this is again I'm quoting, the phenomenal instant when the spirit flares with pure exhilaration before death. That's one section. Um, the next one is called Settings. And I believe that refers both to places and kind of the act of anchoring things in your memory, because there's a lot of um, references to memory in this section. Uh, crossings is the third one, which relates to journeys or transitions. And then the final one is called Squarings. And they're, they're very uh, free-flowing. I mean, there'll be references to one section within the other, so although there's a, a really specific um, structure to the poem overall, it's also very fluid, another dichotomy, which is interesting, <laughs> because he, the ideas are not compartmentalized. They're, I think they're very uh, intuitively written, and they just come and go throughout the whole poem. But there is a structure to it, and that is that each 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 of the these four sections has... Um, 12 poems within it. Okay, so there's 48 altogether, and each poem has 12 lines. So there's even more than that, but I won't go into it. But And and one thing I did read that he said about this was that this structure came to him kind of intuitively. He didn't sit down ahead of time and said, I'm going to write a poem that has this structure, but he, he hit on it, and then he thought, this is right somehow, so he kept it. And I am aware of that structure, you know, as I am reading it. And, and when I set up my idea for my project, but I didn't want to stick to it 
you know, too, too strictly because I don't think he did really in his mind either. But the only thing I'm saying is my, mine will be 12 paintings and it is 12 paintings, which I'm almost done with. And they're 12 by 12 inches square so that the square shape and the number 12 are aspects of the structure that I wanted to bring into my work. Um, so the the process itself is, like I said, I've not done anything like this before. And rarely have I worked uh, that thematically, you know, as a project. So big challenge, um, but exciting because I kind of like having this challenge. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, what can I do with this? And we'll put up some of the photos of the ones I finished already. I've got, I think, eight of them done now. I'm kind of narrowing it down to the end. Um, but it's it's been a very interesting process of, like, I spend some time throughout the days I'm working on these, reading the poems, and it, because it's so long, I mean, this is a, I don't sit down and read the entire thing, but I'll read different sections. And anytime I get stuck, I'll just sit down and read different sections. And then as I'm painting, things just kind of rise to the surface from the work, from his work. But it's not, it's not illustration, you know, it's, it's still the same intuitive process, basically, that I use, but there's this influence of his words and his moods and the things that he brings to my mind that's I feel is permeating the work and I can see I can see changes in the work right it's it's inspiration not representation that's right and and it would that was something to work out and I think anyone who's interested in this kind of a project will confront the question of are you illustrating are you interpreting uh, you know what exactly are you doing with this poem and I think any of those are valid responses, but for me, I didn't, I didn't want to be specific and I didn't want, I didn't want to tie a painting to a specific poem either. I wanted, um, there just to be this sort of general feeling about the work that related to Heaney's work. And so, um, uh, some of the, some of them, when I'm working on them, I, I am thinking about specific images from his work. And one of the things that I noticed coming through, which is something I've always been kind of interested in, but I never have done really in my work, is to actually draw things um, onto the surface with a pointed stick. So as the oil and wax has been built up the number of layers, and there's some um, substance there on the panel, and then just taking something like a paper clip or a, a thin metal point and drawing things in there. And they're very subtle. I mean, I don't even know if someone would really see them, but I know they're there. And there's actually images, material objects from his poems that are symbolic. And I kind of like that. <laughs> so I think the whole project has opened up some new ideas and, um, I think that's why one reason I'm really enjoying it because we can certainly get stuck in our ways, right? <laughs> and I, I mean, I'm generally happy with my ways, but it's exciting to have a new door opened up.
Right. So do you have a, a plan for this work after it's finished? Well, um, yeah, as I said, I'm going to be exhibiting it in this um, exhi- uh, show in Jennifer Perlmutter in September, which is in the Bay Area. The, I'm doing the works on a multimedia artboard, which is a form of paper. And I think my, I'm not sure how to present them. I'll probably mount them on panels. It would be nice to figure out a way to present them as paper because there's something about the fact that they're on paper that relates to the books. And I, I just keep feeling that. And I, I think it's probably impractical to think about framing them or anything. But the fact that they're at least originally done on paper is interesting to me. Um, we, we've had, you and I have had these various <laughs> conversations about form and content. And this is something, you know, I, I don't just talk about it or tell my students about it. I really want it to be part of my work, the, this alignment. And I didn't really plan this out, but I can, I can see it in this work. Um, the fact that that's one thing is that it's on paper and this is about poetry and poetry in books. I'm not really doing, I'm not really reading the poetry online. So I'm, I have physical books that are all marked up and drawn into and underlined and all that stuff. Um, there's the that emphasis on line, like I said, like actually drawing into the surface with these pointed objects. Again, it's almost like the the physical act of writing out something by hand um, related to poetry. And there's another thing about the work which is kind of different visually to me is that they're they some of them look almost like prints, like they have this kind of flat graphic quality to them that I would get in a monoprint or um, lithograph. And there's still, there's a lot of paint on there. I mean, they're not thinly painted, but some of the brayer techniques that I've been using have this very um, soft, even texture that looks almost like a print. And again, it's the something about related to books. Um, so these are kind of the aspects of the actual form that are interesting to me and, and a bit different. Um, and then they, they continue with these very strong shapes, the whole idea of dualities that I've been working with for quite a long time. And there is something about the series so far that I would say marks it as a series and marks it as something a little bit different than what I normally do. I wonder if there's some way that you could incorporate the books that you've marked up and underlined and highlighted into the presentation of the artwork. Hmm. Um, it seems like that material would be really interesting for the viewer. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, it might be a little bit on the nose as well. Uh, yeah. Maybe something hmm. that uh, is is a little bit better left kind of understated. Um yeah, I suppose it depends on how on how involved you want the poetry to be with the art in terms of the presentation. Well, that that is a that is something I've wrestled with a little bit. Like when I show this work, and I don't even know in terms of copyright or anything how if you know how able I am to actually include all the poetry in any way in the exhibit. I I think it's okay, but you know in terms of titles and things, do I want the titles to be specific? Uh, to certain poems? Do I want, you know, so I've been, I've been thinking about all that. And, and that's an interesting idea. Maybe I'll, I'll put that in the mix somehow. 
uh, because it, it is a sort of balance between uh, wanting the viewer to know that this is from a specific poem and this poem has a lot of meaning to me and yet also being open-ended in their own approach to it. I, I guess what I would hope is that if they, if someone sees the work, it would lead them to read the poem on their own. But, but visually, uh, like the books themselves are kind of interesting. So I don't know, maybe that, maybe there is something there. Yeah. I think that there's probably as much, um, maybe interest in the way that you have marked up these books as there is in the books themselves in terms of how it relates to your artwork. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that there's something to be gained by sharing, um, you know, your kind of editorializing on the art, on, on the, the poetry to some extent, uh -huh. um, in terms of what you're choosing to, um, emphasize within the poetry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, what you, maybe you've scribbled in the margin or right. uh, what you've underlined. Um, you know, it's, it's like, uh, when, when you find a, a copy of a book that, you know, some intellectual mind has owned, you know, at a used bookstore and they've underlined yeah. things and highlighted <laughs> them and added notes in the margins. And yeah. uh, there's, there, it gives a, um, you know, a little bit more insight into how that, at least that individual was interpreting what's written there. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And and I think it gives insight if into the process of interpretation too because uh I mean actually I've drawn things on the pages, you know, actual images and things. Um and it just at some point there was this kind of hurdle like am I going to write in this book? Yes, I'm going to write in this book. And once that door was open, they're they're all marked up. Uh but yeah, that's, that is interesting. It's part of the process, definitely, to just sit there with the book and, and do whatever as I'm reading. And I have to say too, I, on some level, this was very gratifying to me to know that I haven't lost my powers of concentration when it comes to reading because I, I don't think I'm alone, um, nowadays with, all the information that we, we encounter every day, you develop a habit or I have developed a habit of sort of skimming things, right? And to, to really read in a focused way for an hour at a time and really think about what you're reading is something I haven't done a lot in recent years. And I tend to read for entertainment or escapism, the kind of books I read. I'm not a heavy reader. And this has been reassuring to me that yeah I, I still have a have the brain cells to to do that and to make sense of it in my own way and so I've enjoyed that part of it too and just feeling like I can sit and study something and get something out of it um and I will go on with others of his poems I think um after this project is done and I'll do a couple more paintings for the exhibit but I I wouldn't be surprised if this is something that becomes a part of my work and whether I would, I would probably not only stick to Seamus Heaney, but branch out into other poets that I would come across because it's, it isn't a new door opening up for me. It's been something in my life that I feel like I haven't done enough of is, is really read poetry. So, well, do you have any uh, final thoughts to wrap up this episode? Yeah. And I, I, in my um, research about, this poem online, 
I came across the fact that this American artist, Solowit, Solowit had done a series of drawings to um, accompany a publication of this poem. And this was in 2003. And Solowit is a very minimalist artist. And the drawings were kind of based on grids. And it was kind of a natural fit for him, I think, because of his own artwork. There's no imagery. There's They're just very, very... Um, minimalist drawings but they're they're quite beautiful they're overlaid in different lines and things but when um what Seamus Heaney himself said about these and he really liked them uh was and I'm quoting here um they have the right balance of complete confident pounce and momentary delicate shimmer <laughs> so there's a, a duality again right this the strength and the delicacy um and although, uh, you know, LeWitt's work is very different than mine, I I thought, well, when I read what Heaney said about it, I thought, you know, in my, in my wildest dreams, if he would say something like that about my work, that would be a goal for me, that he would say it has the strength and it also has this delicacy. And so that's kind of something I'm keeping in mind. And I didn't come across that quote until recently when I'd already been working on this stuff. But it, it just kind of struck me as, well, yeah, that's that's what I want. That's what I want. So, um, yeah, so it's a really interesting project. And, um, you know, I don't know where it's going to go after this, these 12 paintings, but I'm excited about it. And I, I, would, I would suggest to people who are thinking they need something they they want to pin their work to something they're looking for some direction if you enjoy poetry this is very interesting approach i think well that about wraps up this episode of the messy studio you can find the messy studio on facebook as well as public profiles for both rebecca kroll and myself ross tickner please make sure to check out squeegeepress.com as well as www.rebeccacroll.com and sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. Please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, or Stitcher, and leave us a rating and a review. Remember to share the show with friends and family and anyone who you think will enjoy it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space. Messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.